name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Ironies don't cease. In order to have the plenary indulgence that goes along with that prayer, the usual conditions apply. Communion today, confession. Within a few days, largely understood to be within the past week or within the next week. The creed, coming shortly. Uh, And prayers for the intentions of the Holy Father. If you can. We don't know what they are. So, try. uh, And hope that those intentions are good and that you can join your heart to them. It came to light in this past week that one of the contributors to the Synod on the Amazon whom I won't name because I don't name those who are out of communion with the church and out of communion with the body of Christ in the course of divine worship. It's unseemly. In the bulletin back in July, I did mention the name of one contributor, a German, whose work had been praised um, by name, who was known well for his uh, his avant-garde opinions about which men should be ordained uh, and his erroneous opinions about uh, women being ordained. Um, This past week, another troublemaker, Austrian in origin, uh, who had been apparently a bishop in in the Amazon for decades, almost two decades at least, um, this, this week was quoted as saying, not just sheepishly, but saying forthrightly, that in his almost 20 years of being a missionary bishop in Brazil, he never baptized a single person because that would be spiritual colonialism. And he is a contributing active member chosen over others. His name's unusual enough that you wouldn't have just simply uh, chosen him by accident. No, I meant the other fellow with the strange-sounding name. Um, You should know that in the ordinary form today, the gospel is Christ telling the parable about the evil Pharisee praying Uh, to his own condemnation in the synagogue. Lord, thank thank, thank you for that I am not like these other sinful people, greedy, dishonest, uh, and adulterous, and and so on and so forth. So, of course, you know that we are being compared to those self-righteous people who uh, condemn others while um, being sure of their own salvation. So, um, in years past, I've been accused of trying to squeeze one homily into two Gospels. Uh, Many times I just do two different homilies for two different Gospels. Today, I I think that that you need to know what's being said um, as that other Gospel is being um, preached about those righteous people. Let's be clear. 
if, the, if our Lord had told the parable in a way that wasn't already so um, clearly meant to indicate from the outset who the bad guy is, when you lead with, there is a Pharisee, you already know he's the bad guy. You don't even, you know, it's, you don't even need to see how he's portrayed. It's clear from a mile away. Let's imagine it hadn't been a Pharisee. Imagine when our Lord told that parable, to make the same point, of course, he had illustrated it differently. There's a, you know, uh, a grandmother praying in the synagogue who says, thank you, Lord, for your help in keeping me from greed and dishonesty and adultery. Dot, dot, dot. We wouldn't know yet if it's a good person or a bad person, if, that's, if this is someone to emulate or someone not to emulate. Because the description would have to come further as our Lord is telling the parable that this person who is self-aware of having avoided these sins hates other people because they didn't avoid those sins. That's why they're evil. But when modern ears hear this parable of our Lord and repeat it and comment on it, the evil of the Pharisee isn't focused on his uh, hatred of the poor sinner who's begging for mercy. The focus of attention is on this person's being convinced that they're righteous. This person's awareness of, of their having not committed these sins. And since when is self-awareness evil? Isn't, isn't it actually intrinsic to the Christian way of life that we try to be self-aware we, we actually ought to be examining ourselves and aware of whether or not we have committed certain serious sins that prevent us from receiving Holy Communion. Self-awareness is a good thing. Thanking God for his help in helping us avoid those sins is a very good thing. As long as it then leads to our being so grateful for God's help that when we see sinners, we beg for God's mercy as a brother, as a sister, the way Christ pleads for us at the cross and at the altar. He has no sin. He cannot sin. I'm willing to make a bet that in the next month or two, someone prominent is going to say something really stupid about the possibility of Christ's sin. But you know he's God, always has been God, always will be God. He cannot sin. It is impossible for Jesus to sin. And yet he identifies himself with us. He identifies himself with sinners. And so he takes up our prayers as though they were his own Amazingly, when you hear the Psalms, whether it be 
in the course of Holy Mass or in the breviary or in your own reading. Um, don't read the psalm simply as beautiful prayers by King David after his repentance. The, the, the psalms are, are your inroad making accessible the heart and the mind of Christ because Christ prayed these words. He, and, he, and so many of them he prayed he prayed as though he were a sinner because he loves us so much. He prayed not just God, Father, forgive them, those who were caught in sin, but he prayed, God, Father, forgive us. He prayed as though, um, he, prayed as though he was also a sinner. Our self-awareness, therefore, is a very good thing. Our awareness that it's possible by God's grace is a very, very good thing. Our awareness of other people's sins is an essential thing. How do we help people not sin if we're not aware of them sinning? None of this is in the realm of hypocrisy. Being aware of your sin, thanking God that you didn't sin, being aware that other people sin. These are intrinsic to being one of Christ's body, as long as it's with love. Now, granted, not all of us love our enemy. That's a problem, serious problem, a really serious problem, because you will go to hell if you, lo- if you do not love your enemy. But awareness, self-awareness, awareness of our sinlessness in particular matters, our gratitude to God for helping us, awareness of other people having committed sins. All, all of those are characteristics of horrible people in the modern world. And it could be there are not enough princes of the church who have met people who are self-aware of their sins, aware of other people's sins, and really love their enemy and really pray for their brothers and sisters as one of them for God's mercy. Maybe they haven't met anyone like that. That's possible. So we have to change that too. I suggest then that in addition to the timely act of dedication of the human race to Jesus Christ the King, which, by the way, is not ill-timed because the the, the manual of indulgences only identifies when this feast is celebrated. So there are two days of the year you can get it now. Hooray for diversity. Um, so uh, it doesn't specify that it has to be on the Sunday before the first Sunday of Advent, for instance, or whatever. There's nothing in the current legislation that makes our praying this today in hopes of a plenary indulgence um, ill-timed, perfectly timed. Now, it is out of the schedule of things, um, at least for the sake of a plenary indulgence, is my suggesting we make an act of reparation. Usually this is done on the solemnity of the most sacred heart. Um, but the good news is that a partial indulgence is available all the time 
and there are no conditions. So join me in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Most sweet Jesus, whose overflowing charity for men is requited by so much forgetfulness, negligence, and contempt, behold us prostrate before you, eager to repair by a special act of homage the cruel indifference and injuries to which your loving heart is everywhere subjected. Mindful, alas, that we ourselves have had a share in such great indignities which we now deplore from the depths of our hearts. We humbly ask your pardon and declare our readiness to atone by voluntary expiation, not only for our own personal offenses, but also for the sins of those who, straying far from the path of salvation, refuse in their obstinate infidelity to follow you, their shepherd and leader, or renouncing the promises of their baptism, have cast off the sweet yoke of your law. We are now resolved to expiate each and every deplorable outrage committed against you. We are determined to make amends for the manifold offenses against Christian modesty and indecent dress and behavior, for all the foul seductions laid to ensnare the feet of the innocent, for the frequent violations of Sundays and holy days, and for the shocking blasphemies uttered against you and your saints. We wish also to make amends for the insults to which your vicar on earth and your priests are subjected, subjected for the profanation by conscious neglect or terrible acts of sacrilege of the very sacrament of your divine love. And lastly, for the public crimes of nations who resist the rights and teaching authority of the church which you have founded. Would that we were able to wash away such abominations with our blood. We now offer in reparation for these violations of your divine honor the satisfaction you once made to your eternal Father on the cross and which you continue to renew daily on our altars. We offer it in union with the acts of atonement of your Virgin Mother and all the saints and of the pious faithful on earth. And we sincerely promise to make recompense as far as we can with the help of your grace for all neglect of your great love and for the sins we and others have committed in the past. Henceforth, we live a life of unswerving faith, of purity, of conduct, of perfect obedience of the precepts of the gospel, and especially that of charity. We promise to the best of our power to prevent others from offending you and to bring as many as possible to follow you. O loving Jesus, through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mother, our model in reparation, deign to receive the voluntary offering we make of this act of expiation, and by the crowning gift of perseverance, keep us faithful unto death in our duty and the allegiance we owe to you, that we may all one day come to that happy home where with the Father and the Holy Spirit you live and reign forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.